Have you ever heard the yoga practice described as a work in rather than a workout? Interestingly, what we see within the Western approach towards the yoga practice most often represents itself more heavily within the physical fitness aspect or the attainment or achievement of practicing or performing a particular yoga asana. As yoga teachers, if we aren't careful, we can feed into this and fuel this aspect or viewpoint. And in doing so, possibly keep the practice experience within the realm of the physicality or that physically seen aspect, which could perpetuate an avoidance of the acknowledgement of those more subtle somatic layers that the yoga practice invites us to notice. Welcome to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, the podcast for yoga teachers to learn tips, techniques, and teaching approaches in order to build confidence and success teaching yoga. I am your host, Sandy Raper, and on this podcast, I am going to share with you my strategies and approach to teaching, along with stories from many teaching experiences that have supported me within a thriving teaching career for over two decades. Before we get into today's episode, I want to make sure that you are aware of a great free resource that is filled with 10 essential and tangible, very applicable tips and techniques that will up-level your approach towards cueing and the language that you use to lead impactful yoga classes. The essential guide for effective cueing is a must-have for any yoga teacher who is planning to lead highly effective and impactful yoga class experiences. Click the link in the show notes and grab your free essential guide today. Or you can visit my website at sandyraper.com and you'll find the free guide there along with other amazing resources that are waiting and ready to support you. Now, let's get into today's episode. When it comes to sequencing yoga poses, structural integrity, the functionality and understanding of kinesiology and biomechanics, along with the preparation of the soft tissue structure of the body, have a substantial impact on the students that you will lead. In today's episode, I thought I would share on a topic of what I feel can be a bit subtle and sneaky when it comes to the approach to sequencing a yoga class. Let me ask you this. When it comes to sequencing a yoga asana class, do you approach it through the lens of choreography or do you approach organizing your classes through that somatic movement lens that I've just mentioned instead? If you aren't familiar with the term somatic, then hang on because I'm going to provide some context around that term in just a moment to support you in your evaluation of your approach to sequencing. 
But first, let's talk about choreography. If we seek to understand this term better, then you're going to find that it is defined as the, quote, art of creating and arranging dances. The art of dancing is learning to transition your body between steps in one fluid movement where music is usually a key element found that supports this art seeking to stay on beat or in the timing. Yoga, however, is typically practiced within a series of poses, often interconnected within what we call a flow sequence. Breathing is the key element and connection found within the yoga practice and the powerful link to this style of movement. When accessed, it provides the creation of a greater sense of awareness within the physical and energetic layers of the body. Both dance and yoga are disciplines that heighten the awareness within the body and improve general movement. They sound very familiar and both provide great opportunity to enhance connection and body awareness. And here's the tricky part. When it comes to sequencing yoga pose shapes together, If we aren't careful in our organizing and within the language that we use to direct and lead students throughout the yoga asana experience, then what can happen is we begin to offer an experience that becomes more about the performance aspect of the quote dance rather than the interoceptive aspect of presence found within the experience. Certainly dancing can initiate and take you into a felt experience within your body, and I am not going to debate that, and that is not what this episode is about. What I'm interested in is highlighting the aspect of the mindful approach where the art of sequencing yoga poses is thoughtfully considered, and it's thoughtfully considered within the implication of leading others towards the felt sense of consciousness and heightened awareness that is less about escape and more about sharpening the attainment of noticing the present moment experience. And once again, we're not trying to to work out something we're, we're working in. We're not trying to escape or get away from something. We're trying to heighten our awareness, our experience, our response to, to being present in the moment, to be in the space where life is actually happening. If not thoughtfully considered, the aspect of Overly creative and complex choreography will take over in regards to sequencing and complicate and even distract the practice experience, making it feel more performative in the yoga classroom rather than a journey into the depths of the interoceptive presence. If we aren't careful, choreography and the physicality of the movement experience can take over and lessen the ability for ourselves, for students to tap into those subtle layers of using the asana as tools, as a vehicle for excavating the interior space of our being that can sometimes feel like uncharted territory. 
I mentioned music in the description and defining words of choreography, and music is a powerful influencer. But once again, just like sequencing, if we aren't careful in the classes we lead, we could be placing a lot of attention and preparation towards curating the perfect playlist that we miss the opportunity of allowing the teachings of yoga to pour through us and to serve, to make a bigger impact beyond the extras that we feel we have to bring in to the practice experience. I am personally deeply moved by music and music's a big part of my life and can certainly contribute and move us within the context of teaching yoga and providing an environment for students to move from a distracted mind towards a one-pointed awareness and focus, then as teachers, we need to evaluate if our preparation to teach has become consumed with the curation of the playlist more than preparing ourselves to teach by actually immersing ourselves within our personal practice experience. When it comes to the music we use in class, it should contribute towards the experience rather than distract. Great considerations should be made as to whether or not the music is in the foreground of awareness or does it complement the practice and just simply fade into the background. I have taught classes with music and without, and these days my preference is no music, but that hasn't been the case all along. So I don't want to misinterpret the intention behind this episode. My intention is that you remain in evaluation to be clear on what your role is as a teacher and the experience that you're offering, and more importantly, being fully aware of what you are teaching. If these evaluations aren't constantly and consistently made, then you just might find yourself investing and spending a lot of time focusing on the aspects of teaching that aren't really going to provide you growth and development in your teaching skill set. And as long as the extras do not present a false representation of the practice, then there isn't anything wrong with a nice complimentary playlist or some lavender scented cool cloths. But when the extras take the main stage, and they start to dictate and determine whether the experience was, quote, a good experience, then the teachings of yoga begin to get pushed to the background of our emphasis. And that's where we begin to weaken the potential we have to deliver and lead others through an experience and practice that has the power to shift and even change the trajectory of lives. The movements we take in a yoga asana class in and out of the various pose shapes is an experience like none other. We can try to strip everything away and approach it solely from the physicality aspect, but when we align to the thoughtful thread of connection with our breath within the movement sequences we offer, then we tap into something that, that cultivates relevance for our daily living. 
Our yoga practice time begins to shift from something extra we do and to something that is a necessity. And our time on our mat becomes a time that, that we dedicate to and we work other things around in order that we have our dedicated practice time consistently. We begin to build our schedules around our designated discipline practice time. And I don't know about you, but when an activity or pursuit provides relevance for my daily living, then I tend to stick with it and I make it a keystone habit, as you've heard me mention several times on this podcast. Let me pause here to ask, do you cue the breath and awareness of threading and linking steady breath throughout the asana sequences you offer in class? Do you actively educate students on how to assess the steady stream of presence through the awareness of their inhales and their exhales? If your focus has become more on the actual movement and shapes rather than the threading and linking of breath awareness and how that dictates our movements, then this may be an indicator that your class sequences have become more of a choreography dance. I was reading an article recently that was written by a former professional ballet dancer who has turned into a yoga teacher. And she stated that, quote, a major difference in yoga and dance is the inclusion of intentional rest or shavasana, end quote. She went on to say that that included in this period of intentional rest, the practitioner listens for messages received from body movement, touch, voice, and other modalities. The dance community, especially in Western culture, predominantly views rest as unproductive and detrimental to progress. And this is her speaking. And, quote, little do they take into consideration that rest enhances mindfulness so that the movement comes from sensory awareness rather than mimicking another person doing the movement, end quote. The physicality of the postures are great and will support students greatly to some degree. However, the practice will feel more like a performed dance rather than a somatic encounter that invites students to explore and listen well beyond what might be interpreted on the outside of the practice experience and include what I'm going to go on to say that she stated in these, quote, messages received from the body movement, touch, voice, and other modalities, end quote. I mentioned the word somatic and that I would expand upon that. So let's go ahead and dig into that within the context of what a somatic approach towards sequencing would look like, and probably more importantly, how the language and cues you use to lead classes will ultimately impact the perspective of incorporating a somatic approach towards movement. To begin, somatic is a blend of various practices that include the felt sense of the experience. The somatic approach showed up early in the 20th century in various ways of influencing many modalities as well as being used as an alternative method for injury recovery and the development of physical awareness. The first person experience or that felt sense I've mentioned contrasted the scientific and structural approach to the body 
which often analyzed and diagnosed based on external rather than internal perception. Somatic therapy has become a big contributor in the motivation behind the study of pain. Somatics gives individuals a voice and a choice in better interpreting and understanding what they feel rather than a non-somatic approach that could possibly indicate that an individual needs or hopes of, quote, being fixed by someone or something. The somatic approach is empowering. When it comes to movement, somatic approaches can help people to move beyond pain when an injury is no longer evident. And this can be empowering and help diminish fear around movement. Through subtle movements, somatics can help people move better, change unhelpful patterns or habits of movement, heal and develop interoceptively, as well as proprioceptive awareness. And as this approach applies to the yoga practice, the influence of the language we use and the cues that we use will have a direct impact on your ability as a teacher to invite, encourage, and direct students towards making those empowering choices and having a voice in uncovering and discovering their own felt sense of the practice and their approach to movement in and out of the various yoga postures. Back to the word choreography. If used solely within the technical aspect as an approach towards sequencing a yoga class, then the somatic approach will not be evident in the practice experience. The potential is great for students not to be equipped um, below the surface of the physicality of performing the various yoga pose shapes. Instead, when we step into a class and lead from a thoughtful somatic lens, then our directives and our language begin to invite students to notice their experience rather than solely relying on what they are told to do or what they see displayed within the demonstration of the various yoga postures. As I wrap up today's episode, I hope that curiosity has been sparked and the ongoing evaluation towards your approach and methodology for teaching. If you desire to dig a little deeper, then consider joining me in my new online course, the Key Cueing course, where I expand and teach you how to cultivate the somatic approach towards cueing that will offer your students a great opportunity to develop autonomy in their practice and a heightened awareness towards the felt sense of the experience. It has been my experience that this approach provides and supports great relevance for students and becomes the encounter that draws students back to their yoga mat to explore further. Consider joining me in the key cueing course so that we might collectively support and equip students in the classroom that we lead with language and cues that make a lasting impact on their lives and leads them towards the transformative encounter that can be found within the yoga practice.
If you want to get some more details about the key queuing course, then click the link in the show notes and you'll find everything you need to know there. Or go to my website, sandyraper.com, and you'll find that information there to support you in your queuing. Until we meet again, thank you. Thank you for joining me today, and I wish you well along life's journey, and I'll look forward to spending time with you in the next episode.